0: Well, uh, here we are once again, Mike. Good morning. Here we
1: are. So, Reminds me of the old joke. oh, what's that? My no British matter where you go. Tell it to me, no, my British friend says, uh, the man stands up and says, he's uh insane asylum. He goes, So tell me, why are we all here? And the response is, Because we're not all there. <laughs>
0: That's called dry wit, so let's get going. That's <laughs> It's, it's uh, either really funny or not at this time in the morning. I know. <laughs> could hit one or, one or the other. Uh, well, okay. Here we are. Uh, here we are. Uh, so I was uh, just reflecting on myself a little bit because I'm selfish and self-absorbed. No, um, I was thinking about Some of the early wisdom that you shared with me, and one of the things that that first caught my attention, was this idea of cultural capital, and as you know, that very much began to shift my path of life. At the time, I was just doing some freelance work, trying to run my own business, which was more freelance than it was a business and um, really just started to connect with what you were talking about when it came to institutions and connecting with, with cultural shaping uh, institutions like a, a bigger business, um, you know, a a larger company that is, that is well known in the area. And so my my career path changed uh, quite a bit and I've, I've spent the last several years trying to, to grow in my leadership And, um, I, I think I've, I've got it. I I understood where I wanted to focus for, for today's conversation. I thought it might be helpful to revisit some of that because it was really impactful for me, but it was a long time ago and I could always use a refresher, but also to talk about from the perspective of, of now, where, where am I aiming? You know, I, I do feel like right now I'm sort of in that the meadow or the season of life of just, just getting good at a, a single focus. Um, and like I said, for me, that's more of the leadership management trying to, to build capital that way. Um, but hearing to what end, so let's maybe take a step back this morning and just kind of starting, started to talk through a little refresher on cultural capital. We can start. What, what do we mean by that? And maybe go towards, uh, why what's relevant to that today uh and we'll just see where we land um okay so how's that sound
1: sounds good i'm glad uh, we're talking about this because uh i'm going to cite two columns i read after the uh, shootings at the uvalde texas uh, elementary school and they'll they'll uh be a way to walk into this idea of cultural capital we'll define that capital and what have you. Okay. But the first was uh, columnist Peggy Noonan who I actually find she's writing some of her best stuff uh, in the uh, late autumn or the early winter of her life. She's getting older and there's a lot of wisdom, but her point was she suggested if you have to get a driver's license to operate a, a vehicle at a certain age, And we know there's a connection between uses of social media and this mental health crisis, especially even the shootings of people who tend to be of a certain age. She said, why don't we require a driver's license? But here's the question. She goes, isn't there a public interest here? Now, why would she use that phrase, Pat?
0: I'm going to guess it has something to do with cultural capital. Yes, it does.
1: (laughs) And it actually harkens back to Tocqueville, Alexis de Tocqueville, who toured the United States in the 1830s. So for listeners, just sort of put a place marker there, public interest, and that goes back at least 200 years. Then the other was uh, the editorial board with the Wall Street Journal said this after... The shooting. Today's young killers are typically from middle-class families with access to smartphones and Xboxes. Their deficit is social and spiritual. Now listen, I read the New York Times because i like to see the same issue from an almost completely different angle, but I don't hardly read that in the New York Times, but it goes on to say this. This uh, deficit, is due to the rise of family dysfunction and the decline of mediating institutions such as churches. Here's my next question for you, Pat. What What is is a mediating institution? Yep.
0: Yep. Yep. Hmm. Okay. This is going to be good. Well, I hope so. (laughs) So we have public
1: interest mediating institutions. These, I read these two and I said, that's why you have to have cultural capital. So first of all, what do we mean by cultural capital? There's generally been accepted. There's six types of capital and capital simply means, for example, when be financial capital, so you might say, I want to buy a home for $500,000. You have to have a certain amount of financial capital or access to other capital be able to purchase that home so it's financial there's social or relational capital you might have a vast network of friends that you can call on and it that network has reciprocation and there's benefits with that Uh, but another is called cultural capital cultural capital has always been understood as the ability for uh that serious institutions take you seriously That's cultural capital. Put another way, when I was a pastor, one of the reasons I eventually stepped away is I joked with friends, but I wasn't joking, but I could give the opening prayer in the Senate. Then I was politely asked to leave when legislators got down to business. I didn't have any cultural capital, but they were fine with me giving an opening prayer. So cultural capital and culture are just the habits, the manners, and the institutions that shape 95% of our behaviors, which are unconscious. And only a select group of institutions and individuals have cultural capital, and you have to earn
0: that. Yeah. Mike, that that brings to mind, I I think I see a glimpse, tell me if I'm wrong here, but of of this often, you know, as I'm on the management side in my company and so reviewing resumes, talking with candidates, and it's not so much that candidates who work at bigger companies get your attention. It's more uh, looking at the resume and talking to them in interviews. Bigger companies have bigger problems often And I'm really interested in candidates that have solved those bigger problems. They just hold more weight than candidates who have not, who maybe have potential but don't have proven uh, ability to solve some of these problems. And it's much easier to work or hire candidates that show and demonstrate they have more gravitas in working with more complex issues in, in, in those larger companies. And I think that hints at cultural capital a little bit. Yes, that's right.
1: Well said. Proven ability. So part of the problem in a politicized culture, as we call it, um, where social media by and large inflames anger more than it uh, uh, helps is because uh, most of us don't have much cultural capital. But We might, for example, in our in a neighborhood or with a, maybe a small group in a church or uh, with your family. But let's just say you're really irritated with uh, who knows what in in the public domain, and uh, you you really don't have any capital. No one's going to listen to you. But you can go online with uh, six, seven, eight, nine, ten websites, and just really get stirred up and po Because, uh, but what it's what it's actually showing is you don't have any cultural capital. Uh, you haven't earned it. Uh, you haven't you haven't get proven capability the the um the upside of when um information and yes disinformation and misinformation and when it wasn't ubiquitous as it is to now uh, it wasn't everywhere all the time 24 7 365 is uh you didn't know what you didn't know and so if you're a farmer looking at the rear end of a cow all day and come home, have a lovely dinner with your wife and the kids, you aren't turning on a laptop at the end of the day and going, dear, come on, they're raising my taxes again. <laughs> now, You will hear along the way, there could be some new tariffs or what have you, but this is what we're going to get into, what Tocqueville noticed. And so maybe it's a good time to swing over to that. But um, today, uh, it's just it's it's more unhelpful than it is helpful. What people are gathering from online. I have family members who I've listened to sometimes. And I go, "Oh my stars! Where where did you come up with that idea?" And they'll list the usual suspects that are promoting these. I just go, "Holy smokes!" Sure. So. That's what I mean by levels of cultural cap. Uh, uh, there are actually levels of cultural capital and there's such a thing as uh, cultural capital. So let me get into, first of all, Peggy Noonan. Yeah. Now, comment. without referencing Tocqueville, what she's doing is if you imagine right now, a circle and put on one side, public interest and put on the other side of the circle, private interest. What Tocqueville noticed was, he said, one of the beauties of America was you had these mediating institutions, mediating between private interest and public interest. Mediating, uh, acting as an arbiter, acting as a bulwark, actually, from either one encroaching too much upon the other. So here's an example. First of all, why did Tocqueville come to America? The French Revolution had blown up the country and yet America had this revolution and then a constitution. And what he was curious and was actually sent to America to explore was these people have set up an experiment where they're going to be self-governed. Can a free people be rightly self-governed? And it was Tocqueville. Who recognized the beauty in this experiment that you didn't have in France is these mediating institutions mediate between private interests, where someone might say, Listen, I don't give a damn about X, Y, Z. I'm going to do what I darn well want to do. Well, that's not a self governed. And so there's such a thing as private interests that have a rightful sphere, but they don't take over the whole game. On the other side of the coin, public interests public interested by like living in a totalitarian society where there is no freedom at all. And they overrun everything. And what's always been understood is these two outer domains have a tendency throughout history for one or the other to run over the other domain. And so it might become anarchy, Anarchy would be where the private interests completely overrun any institutional norms or any public interest. And frankly, we're seeing some of that in the history of the last hundred years of African nations. Hence, the investment of financial capital is often lacking because at the end of the day, the next strongman with the largest militia simply overruns the society. That's private interest because he's not a legitimately elected Mm. official. A public interest in the worst case right now would be Putin and Russia. And there, private interests are pretty much overrun or they are terrorized into genuflecting to the public interest. It's already even a public interest. It's simply a totalitarian society. China would be the same way. A handful of nations around the world would be this way. So that's what he was exploring. And what he what he discovered was the beauty in America were these mediating institutions, clubs, voluntary organizations, but churches that had cultural capital that could actually, as Jefferson talked about, maintain this separation between church and state. But remember, Jefferson was using a metaphor that the state was not to encroach into the garden of the church. The wall was to protect the church from the state so the church could mediate between private interest and the public good. That both had to exist, but neither one could take over the game. So an example that Peggy is talking about is, is there a right to bear arms enshrined in the Constitution? Yes. So a private interest is, do you have the right to own a gun? Yes. But when she says, but isn't there a public interest here? She's saying, yes. Yes. And what the Wall Street Journal is pointing out amongst others is where is the church is a mediating institution to say, then here is a solution. Now, Noonan has a church background, but her church background is in older traditions that understand institutions and the need for cultural capital. So I think she also recognizes the church isn't in this game. It's politicized. And the right tends to be, damn right, I've got a right to bear arms, period. And the left tends to be, get rid of all guns. Well, that neither solution is a solution. And so she was saying... In a society where the church was a mediating institution, what it, brought to, what it brought to the game was a Judeo-Christian understanding of law and ethics that actually curbs, so that we can be self-governed, some behaviors because of the sanctity of human life. And so, for example, if it's pretty much borne out that an eight-year-old behind a motorized vehicle is going to do a lot of damage, then you don't allow that eight-year-old private interests, but you create legislative norms that say you have to earn that, you have to get it licensed, and you get that license when you're 18. Noonan is saying, why don't we do the same thing with social media? Isn't it in the public interest that you'd have to have a license to operate some of these much of social media. The Wall Street Journal is asking, that's going to be hard to do because of the decline of mediating institutions such as the church.
0: So, in, in a world in which the church did have cultural capital, hmm how would that translate to the example you gave of of a driver's license for social media and whatever that looks like? There's there seems to be in my mind even there's there's a pretty big gap there of wait what what how how do I even imagine that is that is that the church advocating for political reform or or, or um
1: yeah partly uh, okay. Again, we've talked about this before. Politico comes from the Greek word polis, like we live in polis, city of Anne. And it is a good word. Politics is simply how do individuals come together for the public interest? How do they hold intention? private interest, public interest? So it could be as simple as, I want to paint my house pink. And in the public interest of a corporate neighborhood, they might say that drops the values of all of our homes. And so we have codes that you sign on covenants that you sign on. And those covenants mediate. So they say, you can't paint your house bright pink. Not in this neighborhood anyway. You want to go out and live in New Mexico in the desert, paint it any color you want. So it's, that's what we mean by the, the church, if it had cultural capital, now you have to go back a long time, but I'll give you the the easiest example because of what we're seeing today in the modern university is the university, the modern university, roughly 11 hundreds in the West came out of the church. The church is a mediating institution, created what's called the liberal arts, modern university, Una one, diversity, diversity. So you have diversity of disciplines based around your private interest held together by the queen science, theology was in the center, which held them all together for the public interest. So you didn't come out a one trick pony who says, for example, I can read a spreadsheet, but I've never read Shakespeare.
0: Another example comes to mind here. I'm, I'm thinking about the ideal and then maybe going back to where it breaks down. And so mm-hmm. if I am thinking about what you're saying, cultural capital, the ideal, it is somewhere at the top, very high level government is going, we have a serious problem right now with the connection between social media and X. Whether you want to take that to gun violence or very tangibly uh, mental health issues, we have a problem here. What do we do about it? And today in our world, I doubt—I'm sure many would doubt—the first thought in someone's mind is we should go ask the church about it, right? So there, there's showing your gap—that's right—of cultural capital. However, maybe the ideal example would be going, okay, in what regions or what areas? do we see much more healthy mental health levels in younger you know, teens, younger kids? And as we scan through that data, we see there are, there are actually pockets across the U.S. that have very healthy levels. And as they dig in and see what are the common denominators, they see they're actually related to churches or communities of people that uh, because that church or faith group has taken seriously uh, you know, everything we know about mental health, everything we know about our faith, they see screen time is really disadvantageous to a kid. And so that church's norm is actually strong to encourage, as an example, limited screen time. And they actually do not allow in the church kids to, to be on social media. You know, a cultural norm for that church is your kid cannot be on social media until they are 14, 16, whatever. Again, all this is theoretical. But, mm-hmm. yeah. And so they go, wow, there is a connection there between age restriction on social media. And of course, as a believer, we would think, oh, here are all the reasons maybe why behind that and whatnot. But that's, that's, is that an example of the ideal where now the government's going, hey, here's a public interest. Here is a meeting in, mediating institution that seems to have an abnormal healthy response to this, what are they doing and what can we do to model that or to, to, to uh, mirror that? Is that an example?
1: That's right. It's called, um, again, we're saying politics is inherently good, necessary and established by God. Psalm 99. Politicization is the idolatry of it that sees politics is the end all for everything it will solve everything some christians are not helpful and not do not have cultural capital because they are politicized right and left the majority of well i don't know majority anymore but one of the challenges especially in the modern evangelical church is what many social scientists noted called privatization what's that
0: making everything uh everything's about me personally
1: close it's uh, in regards to this issue i'm sorry it wasn't a very good question in regards to this issue is that we uh, limit the amount of time the kids are on social media. Um, we put governors on it, so to say, like you do when you, do go, when you, go, you used to go to the go-kart track. And, right. damn, they got a governor on this thing. Well, there's a reason they got a governor on it. And um, <laughs> the privatization says this, and that's what my family does. And mm. that's all I really care about. Do right. so you can see why... You know, inside of these these bubbles, mm. they always make sense and they, they seem very attractive. But we we're, we're too few and too far between. our Christians who understand this is not entirely just? I've, I've heard often pastors say our vertical relationship with Jesus. First of all, the whole vertical thing is a little weird, but second, it's. The church is an institution, and as an institution, it mediates. And it mediates between, yes, you're right, this governance that you're doing actually would be good governance for a healthy society. But you're not going to be taken seriously if you never give that any thought if it's just we're keeping our kids protected until and by the way when i hear this we and i get it then there is a certain degree yes you do do that but i do hear they're often then challenged by are they going to go to the public high school Whew. or then they're going to go to college And Pat, as you all know, we've talked about before here, the dropout rates of kids raised this way when they go to high school or college is pretty tragic. In terms of
0: faith? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Just because, I mean, I was talking to a professor from a nearby university the other day, and he was saying that all the kids he knew that were involved in a certain well-known college ministry, he said that pretty much they've all left the faith. That's because they were nothing mediated their faith with the public world and with public institutions and public interests. And so it's not unlike when the church mediated between private interests so that this goes all the way back to even before Christ in the Judeo tradition, Judeo Christian, we call it today. It might be male-male say, it's a, this is what we really want to do. And as a mediating institution for the public interest, that was viewed as not conducive to a flourishing society. So it promoted and established governance that that's not marriage.
0: So working in examples is helpful for me. I'm gonna to stick to this social media one and you can point mm-hmm. out some gaps for for the purpose of this. You and I are not advocating for any direct solution because uh, we don't know the answer. But using this as an example, if it were, I think is helpful. So taking that example of some kind of limitation based on age for social media use. Uh, for me, understanding cultural capital, is, is it's helpful to understand almost the gaps In cultural capital today so let's take that example you did of privatization you start with you know let's take the family unit if a single family in a church community is doing this that's that's maybe that's the end of it and that's all we care about but if as you rightly called out there's there's a layer of institution above that which is even um even within a church, a, a subset of, of people that come together in agreement of this is not good and we should all do this together because my kids are hanging out with your kids. And if my kids aren't on social media, but yours are, this is not healthy. That's right. That's so right. let's all agree in a small subset to, to, not, to not allow this to restrict usage. So that's like one layer of institution but even that, you know, that's not the whole church. The next layer up maybe is church leadership. Now we're getting more into, into the leadership of we're going to make this part of our church covenant. Um, we're going to make this part of our church, I don't know, how, what, however churches, you know, do that uh, across. So that's like another layer to say, hey, you know, if you attend this church, these are the expectations for you as, as a member of this body.
1: Sort of covenants that you make, like, like, like when you move into a neighborhood. Right.
0: Exactly. Exactly. I think that was a good example you used. So, but, but again, thinking about, okay, that is maybe that's enough cultural capital for that small community, but that does not influence American politics in any way. And to use my example from the beginning, that church is unlikely to be found as a solution because it's so small, com- relatively small to the U S population. So there's, there's again, a gap there in cultural capital, which is you have high up government leadership, and then you have this, you know, small little church. And so that I think is actually where many churches will just, uh, flutter, flutter away because you, you don't have anything beyond that. You don't have a higher institution beyond that. So the next level of institution is, some type of church governing body that actually oversees multiple churches. For some, maybe that's a denomination, um, you know, that, that type of thing. And so, again, now you have a level of leadership higher with more authority saying, okay, we recognize this is a really important thing. We know based on these smaller churches, there are levels of health, unlike the negative levels of health that we see in other churches, so we're going to institute this as, again, a broader covenant. Any church part of our denomination will make this as a covenant. And, of course, you have all kinds of issues when it comes to adoption and creating new rules. We're, this is an oversimplistic example. But at some point, either, a church is big enough where this, this governing body becomes big enough, this layer or level of institution becomes big enough that it actually gains recognition at a higher public government scale. That is representative of cultural capital. Also, the top down could be you have a higher leader in that governing authority that the U.S. body, the government, whatever, who actually knows or belongs to or values the opinion of someone in that other church governing body. And so now you have that single person or a handful of people that are involved in a very public institution who can say, hey, by the way, I belong to this church that does this. We don't have this problem. That's an area, another area, I think, of cultural capital that we're missing in the church are people connected to those levels of institution. And so there is no recognition. So that gap exists today between maybe a governing church that's doing this well, some kind of church body, larger church body, and public U.S. government institutions. And there are a number of reasons why that gap exists, but that gap is a demonstration of our lack of cultural capital. Would would you say, Mike, that's, that's a correct way to look at this from the lens of cultural capital?
1: I think so, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> sounds pretty daunting, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah,
0: <laughs> it does. It, it does. It really does, yeah.
1: It does. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So listeners, here's what I encourage you to do right now. Take a deep breath (laughs) and then exhale. Here's why. Pat's summation should viscerally get you in touch with, it was 500 years for Judah to have so lost the nation of Judah to have so lost her ball in the weeds that God sent him into exile and said, and you're going to be here 70 years, two generations, to wash out of your hair all the mess. We, as an experiment in self-governance, are only half as old as the nation of Judah. But Pat, you just hit the nail on the head because why is it that at one point, the US Supreme Court was almost entirely Protestant? Why is it today, have it has uh, several Catholics? But why is it with 33, purportedly 33% of the US population is evangelical? There's never been an evangelical Supreme Court justice.
0: Mm, it's a good demonstration of the gap. Yes,
1: It takes cultural capital. You just can't um, you can't do a ballot box and run for that office. You have to have earned capital. And remember also the great fear amongst many, on the left was uh, the most recent, um, the most recent two are going to quote, bring their faith to the bench and bring their religion to the bench. Um, you can see what they're looking for is, is the, what's happened rather is I think is the overreach of the US Supreme Court. Roe v. Wade would be one one example, which even liberal justices said it was an overreach. It did not perpetuate the experiment in self-governance. It basically said by fiat, nine unelected officials will simply mandate this for all the states, many of whom were wrestling with this. The citizens were wrestling with this some of the citizens and their elected officials were moving towards legalizing others not the point in a self-governed nation is citizenry holds intention private interests and public interests and you have mediating institutions Social media to me presents, a—I a, a, would almost say, an unprecedented challenge in this regard. Most of the shootings and most of the mental illness, which you read more often than not is, the parents said, I didn't know they were on that website. By the way, if there is an intact family, father, mother, but let's say there is. What does it tell you that, more often than not, they say, uh, I, didn't, I didn't know they were on these websites. I didn't know they had purchased these guns. Legally. You know what it tells you? Exactly what the editors of the Wall Street Journal wrote. Another media institution is family. And so, when you have the breakdown of the family, the family no longer mediates a young person's behavior, and it's not buttressed by a sensible government. Sensible in this regard. Sensible coming from the idea, this is common sense. This You've got, you're using your senses. And so... Families are buttressed by good politics and legislation. So, if a 13 year old, hot to trot to drive, says, Give me the keys of the car. I know how to drive. The parent doesn't have to say, No, Johnny, Johnny, no, we don't. I'm mimicking today's therapeutic behavior, <laughs> parental behavior.
0: <laughs> Trying to reason with the kid.
1: But what do they say?
0: No, it's illegal.
1: It's illegal can't do it see that's called the buttressed by institutions other mediating institutions so any parent with any sort of cultural capital in their family is then buttressed by other institutions that have cultural capital and here's here's where we're driving at pat so does that absolutely stop little johnny from driving a car no no of course not This is the challenge of having an experiment in self-governance, is that no matter what you do, little Johnny wants to steal steal some keys and steal a car, and he's creative enough or conniving enough, he's going to do it. But you have all these layers of institutions with cultural capital, beginning with law enforcement, then the judicial system, and then the penal system, all of which the parents don't have to operate. Hence, you have in universities some professors I know, they ban social media during class. Why? Hmm. First of all, it doesn't help learning. Yeah. Second, they have a they have an institution. It's called gravitas, and the sun. Being the largest sphere in our solar system has the greatest gravitas. It pulls and holds everything in its orbit. And so if you're a university professor, you have the gravitas of an institution that a little Johnny goes, Professor Mike doesn't allow me to be on TikTok during course. They go, That's right. That's hmm. the rules here. If you don't like it, you can leave.
0: That's, that's another great example. I think we've actually done a good job of not just scratching the surface, but, but digging deep. But I think we have a a lot more to pull this apart with. So we will probably have to spread this conversation out (laughs) over a couple, couple weeks. But I think, I think we've done a good job. Even I was looking for a refresher and this was quite helpful for me personally. So I think we've, we've hit a good spot to, to pause and pick up again in the coming weeks.
1: Very good. (laughs) see you next week